Life Audio. forward in faith when we are overwhelmed by fear. All of us can relate to those times when we know we should be taking steps forward, but because of fear, whether it's fear of the unknown or fear of our present circumstance or fear of what others might think, instead of taking those forward steps, we stay where we are. How do we move from the place where we're allowing fear to dominate our behavior or lack of behavior? How do we move from the place where we're hanging on to fear and instead hanging on to faith? Faith or confidence in God. The fact that God knows the future. The fact that God is God and we are not. The fact that God has our best interests at heart. How do we move from a place of fear to a place of faith? That's a great question, and it's one that all of us struggle with from time to time in our lives. And I'm thankful that we have an incredible guest on today that helps us break that down. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me. And I'm excited to share the interview that you are about to hear. Uh, I've uh, I've said this before, but I've been blessed with... uh, some great relationships in my life and being able to meet some wonderful people. And today I have the privilege of sharing with you a conversation that I had with one of these folks and uh, you're going to love it. It's going to be encouraging and helpful to you. But before we get there, I want to ask you to do one thing. If you are not yet subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe (laughs) right now, whatever you're doing, wherever you're listening from, you can pause for just a second and hit the subscribe button. That lets you know when this and other content comes uh, online, pushes directly out to you. And then once you've done that, I said it was one thing, it's kind of a two-parter. So the first thing is you need to be subscribed. The other thing is you need to then share this out with others. As other people find out about this podcast and other people subscribe and as the platform grows, I am able to do more and more and I want to continue to get this content and other great content like this out to you and uh, very excited to do that. The conversation that you are about to hear is uh, 
it, it is quintessential march or die. If you listen to this podcast, you know that often I am drawing the contrast between staying where you are in life, breathing, doing the things you're supposed to, but not really alive. Emotionally and relationally and spiritually, you know that you are not moving forward. That's death. The better decision is to march, to put one foot in front of the other and continue to move forward to a place where you can better impact whatever enemy happens to be sitting in front of you. You need to march when it would be easier to die, but you have to make the decision. The question is, how do we, when there are incredible obstacles in front of us and often the obstacle is fear, how do we make the decision to march? Uh, I had the opportunity to interview someone that I've gotten to know over the last couple of months, Nathan Spearing. Uh, Nathan is a former Army Ranger, served at a very high level in the United States military, left his career kind of at the peak of his career to make decisions and to do things that were in the best interest of his family. In spite of everything that he had invested his life in, he took a step of faith. And he explains that. He breaks all of that down, talks through what that looks like. And through his lived experience and many of the resources that he even produces through a podcast and a blog, um, helps us to understand how to view the world properly, how to understand God's call and God's direction, and then how to take the steps that we need to take. Uh, this conversation, it's a little bit longer than normal, but it's one that I know will be a blessing to you. So please enjoy, appreciate, and value this conversation with my guest, Nathan Spearing. Nathan Spearing, thanks for joining me, man. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Glad to be here. We have an awful lot that we can talk about, and uh, you talk about a lot of kind of different things. You're very diverse but well-rounded in what you present, what you talk about, what you write about, uh, your podcast, all those things. But I wanted to talk today uh, specifically about masculinity, I guess, would be the big topic. But you raise boys. You've been in a very masculine um, work environment in the past. You've made some decisions related to your family. You articulate this well. I'd love to talk about those things. But let's start before we get there with uh, with your story and particularly your faith story what was your upbringing like what was your faith journey like and how did you get to the point where you have made some of the decisions that we'll talk about here in just a few minutes yeah i um am the oldest of seven children and we were homeschooled for our entire education Hmm. through high school so never set foot in a uh, a classroom, a traditional classroom. We did have a yeah. homeschool covering that had other families, a cooperative, but kind of a, a non-standard education. It was even less popular, you know, in the 90s yeah. and yeah. Uh, graduated high school in 2002. My dad is an entrepreneur. He's a mechanical engineer, has a, did a few years working for a defense contractor but then started his own company so um, some of the earliest memories that I have related to my dad's work I can vividly remember them kind of sitting the family down and talking hey dad's gonna quit his job and he's gonna be doing this other business and we're gonna be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) a lot and uh, and and sitting the family down and talking about that you know, some of the more formative things in my upbringing, you know, both, both my parents were Christians, uh, both born and raised in, in households that faith was important. Um, my, my mom 
was uh, raised by her her mom, my grandmother, single single mom situation. She lost her husband when my mom was six months old. Yeah, well. um, devout Catholic and has um, oh. and still has a lot of roots in that, but is is uh, is in a more of a Protestant uh, walk now. Um, and then, you know, my my grandfather and my my grandmother on my my dad's side were just rock solid. You know, didn't really come from a lot of means. Um, my my grandfather worked, you know, industrial plant shutdowns, trying to to fix mm. paper mills and and yeah. things like that. It was kind of a foreman. My dad grew up in that culture, so they would work shutdowns when they got of age. They would work kind of around uh, the clock, time and a half for for my my grandfather, and kind of just grew up in a, a really hardworking blue collar culture. And so that was a huge emphasis in our upbringing besides faith being important and everything you know being done for a higher purpose um being able to work and having a work ethic to to do things that are difficult and so where i chiefly learned that was at age 13 my parents bought a three-bedroom house when my mom was expecting my youngest brother seven the seventh child so we moved into um you know, bedroom-wise, a pretty good-sized house, but bedroom-wise, all, all five girls were in a room together, five sisters, wow. and then my brother and I shared a room and, uh, and then started remodeling and adding on to that house. So from age 13 until I left for the Army at uh, age 19 was kind of um, every Saturday, um, pretty much. My dad was really good at, at observing the Sabbath um, as, as a break from work. And, and so we would not do home stuff on Sundays, but um, we would work a 15-hour day uh, wow. on a Saturday. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't – I remember um, in some ways missing out a lot of things on Saturdays. My friends were going and doing things, and, you know, we were running, a, running the <laughs> sewer line around front of yeah. the house and tying it into yeah. the main stuff. Um, but that was, was incredibly formative, and then something that I you realized – when I got to the army was pretty unique in our society, even amongst military guys, the, the ability to do work, to yep. work well. Yep. Um, and so I think, you know, between that, that kind of blue collar, like, um, you know, roll up your sleeves culture and then faith, um, and the, and the unique education was all very formative for me. Um, growing up in a house where faith is important. It, it's funny to hear you describe that. I grew up, um, I, I went to a private school for a little while, a Christian school, but I was homeschooled for a lot of my upbringing, myself and my sisters, because education was that important to my parents, and them controlling education was that important to my parents, our faith. And, uh, you know, all the things that you just described, minus the ability to work uh, on houses and such. I was taught how to work, but just go out and work hard. Uh, I'm not sure I learned a lot growing up in terms of skill, but... Um, even growing up in that environment, there comes a point in one's life, there did for me, where faith had to become something more than just what was important to my parents or even what was mildly important to me. And it had to become something that I really put my arms around. Um, obviously, anyone who follows you, who listens to you talk, who reads what you write, faith is very important to you. And uh, not faith broadly or generally like faith, but a specific personal relationship with God. When did when did when did that relationship become personal to you? What were what were the circumstances around that? If there were circumstances, or 
Um, at what point did you say, this is my faith, not just my parents' faith? Yeah, I think that um, as I, I think about my, my faith, um, one of the things that I think is a benefit for homeschooling is it in some ways delays the negative peer pressure about who you are from right. becoming a factor until a little bit later on in life. Your, your, so, your social circles are in some ways um, a lot more uh, managed by your parents. And so you're hanging around people with like beliefs instead of being kind of thrown out to the wolves, if you will. Mm. And so I think um, I, I can't in my household remember a time where I was like, I don't know about this. You yeah, know? Right, and, right. And the discussions I've had with friends about it that have you know, grown up in similar backgrounds, I really believed, or my parents really lived their life um, like, you know, somebody that actually believes the faith. They, they weren't, um, they weren't uh, hypocrites in a lot of the sense. Like, I knew that my mom and dad believed what they were, they were teaching. Um, right. You know, does that right. mean they were perfect without sin? No. Sure. Sure. But I, I did, uh, there wasn't a reason for me to look at them growing up and thinking, you know, this is a bunch of rubbish, what you guys are doing. And, uh, but I guess what I, I would say that it was really tested. Um, you know, I, 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 sw I swam club swimming with the local high school kids starting when I was 16. My parents were like, we're not driving you to 5 a.m. <laughs> week mor weekday morning practices. So if right. you want to you want to do the swimming thing and you have a car and you're going to, you're willing to put the bill for a lot of it. Um, right. we're going to allow you to do it. We're going to allow you to see where this goes. Yeah. So, um, in some ways that was tested a little bit, um, in, in a somewhat controlled cause we're, we're, you know, swimming laps. There's not a whole lot of time to, right. to be, you know, there's some locker room time with high school, other high school boys. Um, and so I guess that would be the first time that I really started to realize, oh, you know, my, my upbringing's a little bit unique here. You know? <laughs> I'm different than these guys. Yeah. And so there would be some, some conversations very similar to conversations in, in the barracks in the military, you know, going to basic training. But yep. I think that the, the enlisting in the military, in the Army, um, I basically worked the summer after high school and then enlisted, and it was a couple months after I enlisted before I, I actually shipped for basic training. But showing yeah. up to basic training was when the, the crucible uh, was, was, uh, began for the faith. And, and even just the, the diversity of backgrounds and, and, and thought processes and, and people, the way people view the world was, was, was even more stark than you know, uh, high school athletes uh, yeah. in, in the government schools. And I, I remember getting kind of right before I shipped off to basic training, one of the guys that I was in fellowship with just said, hey, look, you need to wear your faith on your sleeve and let them hold you accountable because uh, there is uh, a soul, you know, there, there are mortal beings creating it, created in the image of God. And even though they may not profess Christ as Lord, they, they'll know right and wrong and there will be some accountability that comes from that. And, and that would probably be the single, um, I can't even really remember exactly where it came from or who, I just remember being kind of in a group of guys um, that, and they'd say, hey, wear it on your sleeve. And yeah. so my, my standard line became, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a homeschool Christian, I'm a virgin, hmm. and I don't drink, I don't cuss, 
you know, and 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 so, and and people's heads just exploding, be, to to meet somebody <laughs> right. and and to just you know the 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 virginity part, you sure. know, of all of that in the in the you know enlisted infantry training barracks was just blew everybody's mind. Yeah, and and so that that sparked a ton of conversation between guys. They were just yep. and I can remember in basic training sitting there and there'd be six, eight, ten guys kind of doing a lightning round on me, you know. What if, you know, Britney <laughs> Spears, you know, is here right now, you know, and, and just yeah. and then just no, I have this commitment. This is yeah. the deal. This is God said this is for marriage only. And I trust what he says is is actually for my benefit and nothing's going to change that you know yeah and and so it just it ended up being uh you know and then obviously oh you know you're you're signed up to be an airborne ranger you know this is well what about thou shalt not kill you know and 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 say well what about it's actually thou shalt not murder right Um, (laughs) Right. you know there's a difference there's different words uh even though we may have kind of uh uh flattened vocabulary in this area like what it actually means and then you know let's 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 walk through the old testament here a little bit and and some of the most valiant warriors to on in the history of of humanity were men of faith and so you know just tremendous opportunity and and that's i think when you know it's yours is when it's tested and you you maintain it um and that's good not to mean that i didn't uh have issues that I'm a sinless guy, um, but in a sense was able to live out of that um, that identity in Christ, even in hostility, and and then just the amount of conversations that happened, and then when firefights happened, and when it's, you know I, my my motto was uh, I'm invincible till God's through with me, yeah. which is kind of a hybrid between Stonewall Jackson's quote and Jim Elliot. Um, kind of said, you know, Jim Stonewall Jackson saying I'm as, as safe uh, in my, my bed at home, you know, than I am on the battlefield. And so really believing that um, at a, a um, you know, a doctrinal belief level, but then, you know, having that tested and yep. just having kind of that brief moment, like, okay, I, I still believe it, you know, I can, you know, I can execute and I can, I can flank and charge through and, and fire and, and then even having conversations afterwards, like, we don't know how you did that, you know? And it's like, well, yeah. I'm, I, I can't be killed uh, until, <laughs> until God says, you know? Right. And, and, and I had, you know, there was a brief moment that I was like, okay, you know? And, <laughs> and then that was it. And then once you've experienced it once and you, and you say, well, and you acknowledge how, how complex this universe is to think that, that me – um, my lonesome and my way of living and my my thing can can create an end that I I desire, mm. hold, like without the billions of things that are happening every yeah. second in this universe that God set in order, um, to think that I can control, uh, very much of it through what I do, yeah. um, and and essentially understanding that I'm a, I'm a character in a story God's writing, and I I don't have to. Um, live in fear um, yeah. and had some conversations this past weekend with people that this this concept of fear is is a 
is a sinful, uh, you know, in the context of being worried and anxiety and things like that is not from the Lord ever. Right. Um, right. And, and having to walk that out in areas where there was a lot uh, out of my control and, yeah. and then believing that, that the creator's knitting it all together in some supernatural way that the, yeah. the clay doesn't get to tell the potter, you know, how, sure. how this is going to go down. Um, that's so, good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I, I, I think you and I talked about this a little bit, but I, I remember the first time I, I thought about God's sovereignty, that God is, you know, overall was after a, a major firefight in Iraq. And, and I got to the other side of that and just went, yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares who I am, where I came from, what I did. <laughs> I need to do the best I can. That, that's not a license to act reckless or to, you know, be irresponsible, but, but God is sovereign and I'm not. And that was the very first time I had that thought. And it has to be in stark contrast, I think, to just the chaos of the world to realize, you know, where does peace come from? Where does uh, confidence in the midst of all of this come from? It comes from knowing that God is God and I'm not, and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. But until you come to that point, it, it is hard to live that out. Were, were you, you must have been, because this was, you were very young going into boot camp, obviously, and then advancing uh, through your career to make those decisions. Were you well discipled? Did you have a, a, a mentor who taught you, you know, the doctrines of the Bible that you needed to hang on to? How, how did you come to understand these truths in order that you could then hang on to those later on? Yeah, I, I um, we, growing up, um, a lot of our Sundays was my dad uh, sitting mm -hmm. and opening the word and going through it. So the, yeah. the vast majority, I would say, of my Sundays were, were home church with my dad going through the Bible. Now, that's not how I've ordered my life, and we can get into that a little bit more because I think that, that there is a, a lack of community uh, outside the family that a man needs, um, right. and he needs, and he needs to have uh, a lot of time with other men and a lot of vulnerability with other men. And so we can unpack that a little bit, but, you know, first and foremost, uh, my dad, uh, yeah. demonstrated that you can open the word of God and you can read it and you can apply it. And, and, and he, he was a student of the word and he, in college, you know, before, there was the ability to kind of digitally search the Bible. He had topographically kind of broke out Proverbs wow. and verse yeah. by verse and in a notebook so that he could reference, you know, the ones that were dealing with money and the ones that were dealing with work and the wow. and, and things. And so he knew the he knew the word. And so first and foremost he was he was going through and I can remember, you know, starting Genesis one and then just working our way through you know, large portions of the Bible, yeah. um, chapter by chapter, talking about it, you know, and it was not heady. It was not theological. It was not, you know, necessarily systematically categorized like a lot of the evangelical culture today. Um, right. It was it was just strained, uh, just in the order that that the, the Bible has has been done and and chapter by chapter. Yep. Um, we did uh, attend a couple churches and have relationships with men in uh, local churches. We'd do kind of a, a once a month with the church, and with and we would we would uh, have people over. So I can think of probably fifteen twenty men from my hometown mm. that I admire and hold in high esteem. Yep. And so, despite not being in a 
a weekly Sunday morning service. Um, my, my family was practiced hospitality. We were in other people's homes, um, the homeschooling network and, and things. Um, my senior year, um, we did a, a worldview a worldview class taught by another man in town. He owned a construction company, but also was just very well read um, in kind of civics and, and history and things like that. So we would have to pull a, uh, a, a headline, uh, you know, front page article and, yeah. and break it down. What's this author's worldview? What's, uh, what are they, are they presenting the, the facts in a certain, in a certain way? to drive a certain conclusion, you know, what is, what's actually being presented, is this accurate? And so we were kind of forced to view, um, you know, this was, was kind of at the, the, uh, you know, being 20 something years ago, yeah. um, really recognizing the, awesome. the mainstream narrative and, yeah. and breaking it down. And I can remember getting my first several papers I got back, they did, there was no length that he prescribed. It's just like, Pick an article, any article, break it down, and tell me. So there would be six, eight hundred words, thousand words, you know. And the first yep. several ones I got back were D minus, red <laughs> everywhere. This is the dumbest thing ever. This is what yeah. you, you. They built a straw man, and you just started beating it. You know what's your right. problem? And right. and so having, you know, a year of of weeknights. I think it was probably two hours every week um, for my senior year, breaking these kind of um, culturally relevant. Um, mm. things down wow. and wow. and having a man that understood history and understood the founding father we had to memorize the declaration of independence that was our our final exam was was a recitation of the declaration of independence Incredible. um and and so you know and dinging us for every word that we got wrong right you know right um so there that was that was significant um in forming a, a critical mind and thinking mind uh, to 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 kind of step back when when you know a lot of uh, the different narratives that we can get trapped in is is somebody kind of the way I I've talked about it before is they define the octagon this is the octagon we're going to be in here this is our rules this is the way this is going to go and a lot of times for those of us that that believe in in God um, this this human being has erected a really tiny octagon and isn't really taking into place uh, into account. The things that are bigger and so kind of learning to say no no the octagon's not that tiny i'm not coming yep. into that ring with you the creator has said this is how it is this is his world and and you don't i'm not coming into there and and yep. and getting into the the fight over the specific terms that you want to um and that was you know phenomenal and has shaped Incredible. a lot of way that i i view the world um was was from that you know, senior year class was just a small business owner that yep. that was a was a, a critically thinking man, um, and, and shaped a lot of the the way that I think now. It's incredible training. I, it's funny how and, and you're right. Um, home, homeschooling the homeschool movement, particularly during the '90s, was something that was looked down on. I was I'm a little bit older than you. I was homeschooled in the late '80s and early '90s, and particularly here in California, it was, it was unheard of. Like you were the weird people on the block, right? Like, like you're not yeah. really teaching your kids anything. We had the, uh, the city that I lived in or a small town that I lived in, the uh, truant officer, I guess is what you call them. They worked for the school district. They would come to our house. <laughs> it was like yeah. a regular occurrence. And, and, you know, we were constantly being told that, you know, bad things were going to happen to my parents. My parents didn't care. They just kept pressing, but, um, mm -hmm. 
it's funny how people think that you're at a disadvantage because your parents are taking your education seriously and getting back to, you know, what does God say? What does the Bible say? What are the principles we were founded on? And, you know, all of those things, it's, it's unbelievable. I think a lot of people are catching on now, but, um, man, mm-hmm. what a, what a weird view that staying out of, uh, public education is somehow going to hurt your children. Um, Anyhow, we could talk a lot about that, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is kind of an aside to even the masculinity conversation, we're eventually going to get to, <laughs> to what I asked you to come talk about, but um, when you went into, into the, uh, the Army, I, I've been asked a lot about Christian, particularly young men going into the military, and how hard that must be, and I, I've always said, just from my own perspective, having gone into the Marine Corps, that for me, because I made a commitment to live for Christ, regardless it wasn't really to me it wasn't that difficult because the line was so clear it was i'm Mm -hmm. on this side of the line and you can be on that side of the line if you want to this is who i am that doesn't mean i'm going to spend my days criticizing you you answer to god for what you do but i also answer to god for who i am so i'm not chasing you down i'm not ridiculing you i'm not correcting you i'm not trying to be the holy spirit in your life but i'm going to be consistent to the values that that i say i hold and I'm going to be good at my job. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I learned, because a lot of Christians in the military, at least this is my experience, again, maybe yours was different, but a lot of Christians in the military, they, they cry about uh, persecution, and because I'm a Christian, I didn't get this promotion or that job, or people were always down on me or whatever. What I observed in the military, in the Marine Corps, in the infantry world was, if you're good at your job and you're not hypocritical, <laughs> uh, it, it may take a minute, but all of the criticism and the rest of it's going to go away and people will know they can depend on you. And I, 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 I mean, people made fun of me, whatever, but I never experienced what I would consider persecution for my faith because it was mine and I was good at my job. And because of that, um, you know, I move forward as, as well in some cases better than other people. Uh, was that your perspective? That's the advice I give a lot to Christian young men going into the military. Be good at your job. And be consistent when you say you're going to do something and you're going to go far. Absolutely. I think that um, the Christian, the stereotype in our day and age is that Christians are soft. Christians are weak. And that's the assumption that my leadership had of me whenever. But what was interesting, I talked about this on on another podcast recently. My team leader in Ranger Battalion, Corporal, Corporal Reese, he found out I was a Christian after I had already choked him out in a rear naked choke. So <laughs> That's day, a good time to find out. Yeah, day one, they come into the classroom, and they take the eight privates assigned to Bravo Company, and they say, we're going on a run, you know, keep up and bolt out the door. So privates, you know, scampering, trying to get out the front door of the company, you know, and, and taken off down by the airfield. And, you know, one or two guys that came to, to Bravo Company wasn't a great runner. And you know the deal. Like, you don't have to be the fastest guy. You just can't be the bottom right. 20%, and you're right. fine. Correct. And so um, took off, jumped down in the creek, started doing some combatives. They had us fight kind of the biggest dude in the platoon one by one. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't wait on my turn. Just they were kind of doing one at a time. As soon as the guy in front of me tapped out, I just jumped him. 
and and landed on his back, you know, and he was way bigger than me. He's he's probably had me by a hundred pounds, I think, at the weight that I shipped. Wow. And yeah, and wow. reached over and grabbed me off his back and ripped me down and held me underwater. And I was tapping, he kept holding me under. I was like, man, this could be it, Jesus. You know, I'm coming. Uh, <laughs> and and choking water, and they, they, the sergeant and corporal made him get up, and and then we kind of broke up and did some one on one. They're 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 sizing up. The privates—they're literally—it's this third third squad. Which one of these eight guys are we going to go tell yeah. the the platoon sergeant we want on our squad? And right. I, you know, I I I did a quick you know pull pulled him pulled him in close. He resisted and kind of went up, and then I slipped underneath his arm and I choked him out from the rear in like uh, nine seconds, you know, and just yeah. did a quick push pull and exploited that and. Uh, and then he he raged out, you know, and just grabbed me <laughs> and did the same thing. Like he harnessed another level of yep. strength because he was pretty n- mad, a private. But then sure. then they selected me. They said we want we want spearing, you know. And then you know I'm dragging my d bags into the squad area, and and then I give them the virgin don't cuss don't drink talk. <laughs> and then they were just like, what the heck? We don't even know what to do with you. Right, because they knew maybe I maybe we made a mistake. Yeah, they knew I was ferocious because I just jumped the biggest dude in the platoon. You know, where like I'm only way I'm going to win this maybe is if I jump on his back and try to get that choke in before. Yeah. And so they knew I had a mindset, but then they couldn't really with the stereotype of a Christian. They couldn't really understand what was going on here. And his an immediate yeah. line was like, "I I didn't know people like you existed still." Yeah. Uh, we thought yeah. you you went extinct in the '60s, you know. And then, <laughs> but I'm in the squad, and and so that that kicks everything off. And and there are definitely I can think of a couple Christian guys that were were weak that end up getting you know fired or made the you know the assistant to something, and because the the yeah. squad leader didn't want them on the team. There was another at least one other Christian guy in my company, not my platoon, and he and I were always competing to to the highest PT score. And and we went to ranger school uh, at the same time. We had to do the pre-ranger PT test. And our platoon sergeants were talking smack to each other and saying, Spearing's going to take it, you know, and then this other guy. And, and, and then they'd come and say, hey, you better beat him. You know, you better not let Jed get you, you know. And, <laughs> and so it, being the guy kind of that is – your platoon sergeant's boy that he's using and there's this healthy banter and the both of us were christians you know and and so that uh and then actually performing on the battlefield um and 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 doing well you know jesus says in the sermon on the mount that blessed are you when people say call all kinds of evil about you um on account of me falsely so a lot of christians forget the falsely part if we really looked at our life under the microscope we're getting we're calling it persecution because it's uncomfortable what they're saying right, about us right but our right. lives are not blameless before the lord yeah. it's right. it's we did something we mouthed off we did this we yeah. added right. our sin has actually brought this about it's not because so I would I got um, a lot of flack and I, I remember my one the same one of this platoon sergeant saying you know me and this other he's like man I can't believe we're gonna have both the candy butts 
team leaders on this one squad. I don't even because they did a little Manning shift around, and I was like, yeah. yeah, but you know, those candy candy behind team leaders are the guys you put on white side breach, you know. And I'm a spec four talking to an E7, and I'm like, yeah. you're telling me, uh, you're making fun of me, but I'm blowing the the main door off the front of the target building in Iraq. And I'm the first yeah. guy going through the door, or this other team yeah. leader and I are going in. So you're sending us in the main breach of every target while you're making fun of us. Right. I think I know what's up here. You know, yeah, like right, you're right. you're depending on us to be the the, the main effort and a platoon hit. Um, yeah. I know the deal. I'm not gonna. And even yeah. then, there's this kind of banter back and forth, and and he's he's making fun of me because of of my convictions. But he knows he can send me in, you know, the main yeah. breach. And so yeah. that was always yeah. the focus. I, I didn't like it. I can remember times where, it, you know, there's a lot of people making fun of the belief. But I just, I put that right into lifting. I put that right into PT. I put that right into jujitsu. Yep. I put it into yep. things. And I just focused on being excellent because that's what we're called to be. We're supposed to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Mm. And, um, and that was my focus. And then to, there was times, for sure. Um, I've have talked about this story before. The, the first kind of mission we went on as a squad, I w I was kind of ready to prove to them that I got what it takes. They've been talking all the smack, saying you're you know we don't know when it actually gets down to it. Are you gonna? And he I mean literally, right. my was like, when it gets right. down to it, do you have what it takes? You know. Right. And we we took some detainees off the target. And I was, you know, a little bit rough with them while we're moving them, you know, kind of showing the, the group think, look, I got this guy, this, you know, this bad guy we got. I rolled him up, and I'm kind of being rough, pushing him in the back of the Humvee, and I'm, I'm, I'm letting myself kind of get in this pack mentality and, and absorb their value system. And we bring them back kind of to the holding area. It's snowing, and the guy's shivering, you know, in cuffs. And another private that it that shipped with me and was in my platoon went through ripping everything with me came out and said this guy's freezing get him a blanket what's your problem yeah. you know and he yeah. chewed me out yeah for not showing human decency to this other human being because he was mm. i'm kind of getting caught up and that was was a gracious way for for god to smack me upside the head mm. and that was a yeah. heathen you know boozing pornography consuming you know guy and he just cut me probably one of the deepest rebukes that i've ever gotten from someone that didn't know the lord yeah. about my character to be able to sit there on guard as a private got this guy and he's shivering and i didn't go get him a blanket and yeah. and and i just i i felt so much shame at that point for that way that i was and and i, I just I cried out to God. It's like, never again will I do this to, you know. And that's one of those things that when you go to war, it's very easy to let the circumstances and, sure. the, and the backgrounds yep. Uh, yep. lose humanity, lose the sanctity of life, lose the fact that even though this Afghan is, is in the middle of nowhere, and has, you know, fingernails and hands just marred by hand, manual labor and just, you know, crazy hair and no hygiene. Yeah. Image bearer, you know, yeah. in our, you know, understanding 
held captive by sin and death right. and right. cursed because of the way of life and everything. So, but to still look in that person and see, uh, you know, a human apart from Christ and depravity, but still under all that outward kind of thing, there's a soul there. Yeah. There's something yeah. going on and, yeah. and to preserve that and to net and to have that kind of really rude awakening at the very beginning, kind of first mission out the gate with my squad and to say, I'm not gonna try to prove myself to these guys at treating another human being inhumanely and, right. and setting the stage for the kind of that framework I apply and, and then I, another thing about you ha- kind of said that you have your beliefs, I have my beliefs. I feel like that's an excellent framework for those of us in the church. We, we do not have the ability to function with other believers that differ on us, differ with sure. us on some doctrinal sure. things. Like, right. not that it's to be made light of. I just had a conversation with Dr. Anthony Ethelin. He's a Catholic brother that's just well-read and, and, and yep. prolific author and—, and, and you know, diving into, I just, I don't have time when the war's going on. Like, we were able to work with heathens to their core, like yeah. cheating on their wives, consuming right. pornography, like in, in, in some ways, like we talked about, immature, like little boys in, yep. in a lot of le- ways. But we were able to function in an extremely complex hierarchy and get things done. And essentially, what that that equals is alliance or loyalty and allegiances to other human beings based on a framework that we can agree upon. And so why can't the church do that? And I'm not, I'm not saying that you should capitulate. Like, like you said, I believe this, you believe that you don't want me to be squishy about my beliefs. Like I need to believe it all the way. Christ is, is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all, you know? And, and, Doug says that, and, and it's, it's, it's crazy. We, we, God's going to judge that. God is going to hold them account. doesn't mean that we don't you know, sit back and have some good conversation about it and, and get into it, but there's relationship there. You have you know, chips in the yeah. bank to be able to kind of cash some of these checks on some more That's of right. the big things. You've taken the time to, to be in relationship with each other, and, and, and having seen that, you're like, I literally— um, have accomplished a lot in war, real war, physical war with people, and and that didn't have Jesus, and that yep. completely hated my belief system, and let me knew every ta- every day what they did on the weekend, <laughs> and rubbed it in my face, <laughs> right. you know, or whatever. Right. But we were able to say, that's one, that's that's what our belief system is. Now we're going to get to work, and yeah. and so I just it's so hard uh, to see. Uh, these Christians that I that I believe we're going to be in fellowship with in heaven, bashing each other online, while yeah. they're mutilating yeah. little kids in hospitals. Yeah. It's right. just what's going on, y'all. There's a war, yeah. and and yeah, and good. these energies we're we're fight we're lobbing shots at each other for the whole yeah. world to see. That's going to stay online forever. Mm-hmm. It's not going to ever lose its potency right. in some ways. Right. What are we doing? You know? Yeah. So no, that's that's good, man. There's there's a lot there, but you're absolutely right. And you know, for me, saying those are your beliefs, these are my beliefs. That's not to downplay in any way what I believe. Um, 
it's just to, as you as you mentioned, I, I, I can't be squishy in the middle of this. Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I believe. Um, but I'm also not going to chase you around and try to, you know, catch you doing things that um, that I believe are wrong, that you don't believe are wrong. But I have found that over time, as I'm consistent in what I believe, and, you know, now I'm looking tw- back 20 years to when I was in the Marine Corps, so many of those Marines that I served with that at the time would have made fun of me, you know, again, on the weekends they did whatever and they'd come and tell me about it and um, would say whatever they needed to say to try to get under my skin or whatever. In 20 years' time, they've had relationship issues and the loss of people that they care about and a lot of confusion. And I've had so many hundreds of conversations with guys that I served with who wouldn't have even talked to me then. But it's it's that, look, this is I'm going to hold to this. This is what I hang on to. And you're absolutely right. In the church, there are so many issues we could argue about, but there is a very real cultural culture war going on. And, um, you know, the other side's not taking prisoners. Meanwhile, we're, we're fighting each other, and it's crazy. Um, I've been um, studying a, a part of history that I've never really spent much time on, and that's the Irish Revolution. I don't know if you've mm. spent much time reading about what happened in Ireland in uh, 1916 through, I think, 22. But after the, the Irish Revolution that turned into a civil war. So you had, you know, Irish soldiers, part of the IRA who fought against England and in a lot of ways got what they were, not exactly, but got a lot of what they were hoping for. Well, there were some parts of that they didn't agree on. So these guys who had been fighting for the same thing for so long turned on each other and started killing each other. And in the things that I've been reading about the civil war, these soldiers talking about just how brokenhearted they were to be fighting with their countrymen over... Mm -hmm silly silly things when the big enemy was still out there and in so many ways the church is doing that you're exactly right we've got to figure out what's important and hang on to that doctrine is important what we believe is important that's not to say you should again capitulate but um let's agree on what we can agree on and fight the fight the battle in front of us yeah we want to be the judge we want to sit in that seat and render the verdict on everybody it's very easy for us as men to to say i'm the guy that makes the decision on this i have considered all the evidence what this one guy told me that's it and (laughs) i've i've i'm rendering this verdict and i want to be god you know that's that's that it's back to the very beginning in the garden you know did god really say does god really know what he's talking about and and then you know there's guys that would say they would say the lord's name in vain you know, they'd be playing video games back in the in the tent or the you know, and they'd say it and, and they'd be like, Oh, sorry, sorry, Spearing, you know? And I was like, yeah. dude, you do not have to apologize to me. Right. That's not me that you're taking the name I mean, that's just creator of the that's between you and the creator of the universe. <laughs> right. You know, and then they kind of be like, yeah. Ooh, you know, I'm like, No, that's the gravity of this, you know. It's and it's not me. I, I appreciate that me being here is convicting you about it, but this is something that you got to work out between him and you, and you will answer for for sure. Um, and and so that just seeing that, uh, yeah. and and I think that that framework helped to be like, look, dude, if you think that that's gonna be fulfilling in the long run, and you think that that's it, and that's what, and you think I'm so wrong, okay, you know, yeah. that's your yeah. thing. And and I I don't have his. Um, as high of a profile probably as you and where you're at. But when I started kind of doing this and putting stuff out on social media intentionally and in some ways was kind of being private 
and then not really want to talk about it, not really want yeah. to be, and to kind of, and I started to kind of feel convicted, like this is you putting your light under a bushel, you know, put mm-hmm. it on a lampstand, and for for is that gives light, you know, into the room, and and so I just kind of was like pretty um, definitively back in kind of the beginning of, of 2020 and just being like, okay, I, I see what's going on. I see this play, yep. I think, in a different way, and I'm going to make a concerted effort to just put stuff out and yep. uh, specifically post in some of my kids singing psalms. You know, there's a certain uh, gravity to children's voices praising yeah. praising God and then even sometimes doing a little bit of harmony stuff because our we're, our our church culture is really big on starting kids singing men singing doing the parts and it being a demonstration of of kind of the spectrum of creation in the different harmonies and the way that men's and, and women's voices go together so I posted a psalm of us singing around the, you know singing psalms around the table and one of my the squad leaders from my platoon back in the day when I was a you know the same era where they're making fun of me and stuff he was just like I wish I would have made God more of a priority wow. you know yeah, and that wow. was incredibly powerful he's like I, I don't think I was really ever uh, active making fun of you um, but I definitely didn't say anything to support you <laughs> and I was silent right. and I'm looking at at your life now and your family's beautiful and and your life is amazing and I wish God would have been more of a priority you know um and and i think that uh that is in a sense um probably 16 17 years ago when that was and and so that's a little tiny bit of fruit that you see from that and and i think that that we can want to see the result right now you know what did what did what i you know cause effect i was good for god here God gave me this yeah. nice big house. Yeah. I was good for this, like this blessing and, and back and forth. And, and even just to realize that, that I may, may, may plant, you know, another may water, and, and to, to realize that I may never know. Um, but it, yeah. several times I, I feel like when I was kind of just really down, God brought one little conversation, you know. And I, I remember one guy, yep. one, one of my fellow team leaders came over, and I was just kind of just really feeling the – the pressure of of it and and i was just kind of sitting there on my bunk and the guy just walked over and he's like you know why they're making fun of you right and i'm like what and he's like they they know you're right you know yeah and and yeah. and that was just like that little thing and it's like okay god was gracious enough to kind of give me a little bit of light when i felt kind of just was feeling bad for myself and and then even you know as you you know the deal as there's gonna be days when you're you're putting yourself out there like this you're, you can you can feel like the biggest hypocrite. Why am I even talking about yeah. this stuff? Why yeah. am I even yeah. the guy on stage right now? Why am I the guy talking in this microphone? What do I know? You know what? Yeah. You know. And then a guy will just be like, "Dude, I just listened to that podcast episode. I can't believe like it changed <laughs> my life. You know, it did this, yeah. and it, and it's like, okay, um, there's some fruit. There's something going on here. And even that being out of neither you or I are sitting here saying. You know, Nathan's got it all together. Look at me. I got it's it's weakness. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's it's yeah. pouring ourselves out and let God be glorified. And when you start to try to build your own kingdom, and you start to try to build yourself up and you try to get glory for you. That's when it's not going to work out. But if you're pouring yourself out, then the, the counterintuitiveness of the gospel is that that you, you get it back. You lose your life and you gain it. Yeah. Um, so 
yeah it's it's uh yeah. anyway what that's yeah like. <laughs> no it's incredible i i uh have talked before about how serving god is crazy right because we use phrases like well you need to be obedient to god um you need to honor god you need to fear god the bible talks about all of those things but it, it it has those all have a negative connotation to us but the the crazy thing about the christian life is as you live for god we are the ones who are blessed in the process. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, again, people just don't get. It, it feels like this oppressive thing, like God wants to hurt you somehow, or he's waiting for you to mess it up or waiting for you to do wrong. When the message of the Bible and our relationship to God, certainly he is God. He mm -hmm. is well above us. Um, he is to be honored. Um, he is holy. In many ways, he is fearful when we understand the contrast between you know, our, our sinful nature and who he is as a holy God. But the relationship that man can have with God because of Christ is a relationship where God calls us to serve him because that's best for us mm -hmm. in relationship with him, and we benefit from that. And the Christian life is crazy that way. And until you start to make those decisions, you don't really understand that. Um, one of the things that, again, you and I have talked about a little bit, we have a friend in common, and uh, I talked to him um, probably right after our, our interview last time we talked. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about some of this, about him and some of the decisions he's made, but also some of the decisions that you've made with your family. Um, and as, you know, kind of an observer of some of the decisions you've made to honor God and to invest in your family, those decisions would be counterintuitive to the world. Mm -hmm. um, at the maybe the peak of your military career, you decided that you would be done with that. Mm -hmm. um, you've made financial decisions and physical decisions that to a lot of people from the outside looking in would be counterintuitive. Um, before we wrap up, can you talk about the process that you, maybe you and your wife went through to make some of these major life decisions? And you outlined some of this even on your website. Um, major life decisions that may have seemed crazy to other people but you knew were the right thing to do, and you led your family through that. Can you just kind of talk about the process of that? Because I, I believe, honestly, a lot of people are not in a uh, dissimilar situation. There are a lot of people who just, they know they should do something different. They're unwilling to pull the trigger on that. And I think your story can be a motivation to, you know, a lot of people who are just waiting to, to follow somebody, right, and go forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that every one of us has certain things that we are callous to or that we can can tolerate and then certain things that really get us and really make us anxious so for my particular case and i i didn't really i wasn't really able to understand this about myself until i was not sure how i was going to pay my mortgage and a small yeah. business owner yeah. but i realized that i i built up a a tolerance for risk in the physical warfare realm i i had numerous times where the enemy could could have should have got me and i saw god god provide god protect and and essentially developed that over reps every time okay wasn't mm -hmm. the time you know yeah. again god you said not now you know and so um i became in a sense even though for the normal guy getting shot at seems like a crazy thing and i couldn't imagine <laughs> doing it I did yeah. the reps, and, and yeah. I had the worldview to, that supported what my actions were, but then I did the reps. I did the work. Now, when I decided to leave the military, I, I didn't know that 
you know, the reason why I was able to really focus and, and double down is that the military kind of just takes the rest care of the rest of life for you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you get a direct deposit on the 1st yep. and 15th. You're yeah. always going to get that. You know, um, you got 31 days of, of leave or 30 days of leave a year. You got, you know, 18 government holidays that usually end up being mm -hmm. four-day weekends. And so you get a lot of time off. You get um, a great you know, upper middle class salary, direct deposit, allowance for housing, you know, um, health care, um, you know, military support groups to try to, you know, at least make your wife not be too much of a boat anchor to you going and doing <laughs> amazing things, sure. you know. <laughs> sure. And so when all that kind of support structure went away, I realized that financial risk and these other things was not something that I was comfortable with. And I just, mm, I really, yeah. you know, the, the, the moment that I knew I was done, done, I was working in an embassy overseas. Um, you know, I was advising in counterterrorism things, and I, I, I was watching my family open Christmas presents on, on Skype. You know, I had wow. an iPad out. Yeah, wow. and, yeah. and so I was, I was kind of in this, you know, bureaucratic political system. And, yep. uh, and, and ultimately, it was DOD, Department of Defense, that I felt like had some serious – uh, things that were just not efficient. Like we've been doing wars a long time. Why is it taking so long to get approval? Why is it taking so long to get this, you know, word back? How come we can't get this money? We need to help this, you know, thing. And then that just being contrasted with watching all, all four of my kids at the time, watch yeah. oh, or at my parents' house, you know, doing Christmas, opening presents. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. what, who, yeah. what do I think I'm up to over here? I got to I got to <laughs> be there, you know, yeah. and, and essentially at that point began the it was probably about a year and a half after that particular moment um, because I went to my boss and I was just like, I'm done. Um, but I understand that there's a machine here and that I'm in I'm a little cog in this yeah. thing. And so there's responsibilities and I need to. But just can you help me plan out my exit strategy? And I'm ready to be done now. And he said, hey, we got this kind of year thing. We're doing this cycle. We, we need you to be here. And, uh, and, and so helped me kind of plan it out, my exit, and then took, you know, three to six months to kind of do the medical stuff that you just kind of blow off all the things that are hurting right. after 14 right. years and 12 deployments <laughs> that you just kind of put right. off. And, and then, you know, we had been doing real estate on the side. So, you know, when other people are, are just vegging, on their 30 days off and their four day weekends, I was tiling bathrooms. I was, I was remodeling mm -hmm. old houses essentially during active duty service between 2009 or 2010, January, 2010. And then December 16, when I got out, my wife and I remodeled and three houses. And wow. what that equaled was, um, equity. It equaled added value so my discretionary income was going into tile was going into plumbing fixtures was going into these things that actually immediately improved our life because we're using yep. one bathroom now let's get this other bathroom online so we have one downstairs right. we're not having to walk upstairs and and so uh my 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 discretionary time my discretionary income was going towards stuff that was bringing uh, a yield and i i wasn't real estate mogul reading all these books i just literally was Bought a broke down house in a great place because my wife wanted to be a couple blocks from the shops. You know, I was like, well, this this one's pretty cheap because it's. And I actually, I, you know what? I think right. I fig, fig, figured this out. And so that just worked out, and it was hard. We would just not go on leave, or I take local leave. I go in for part of the day and just you know save up leave so that we we would 
have it for longer periods of time or whatever. Yeah. And essentially that gave us a buffer to be able to have at least a little bit of hubris to just jump and go for it. Um, that being said, I had, you know, 80,000, 70,000 in the bank. I just closed a new real estate deal and I found I was going to have to pay my bonus back, uh, two days. Uh, I just put $108,000 on a, my next flip house. I, I, I had, I had tithed, you know, um, wrote the check in a sense because I, I, I was like, I'm gonna write this check right away off the bat. Um, put 108,000 down. So I just, my, you know, I, I posted kind of a chart on, on Instagram of my finances and then God was like, no, that's too much margin for you. You know, uh, <laughs> you need to pay your bonus back now. I found I was going to get taxed on it. So I was like, oh, I got to write yeah. a $37,000, $39,000 wow. thing. Bought a truck for 18 grand and a trailer so I could start. I was like, I got to figure out how to make some money. So I'm going to put this money into a rig that I can start doing construction for other people. And, and then we got down to, you know, we had two mortgages at the time. We had three rent, three units. We moved into a house that had no AC um and and rented the other two out and 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 no benefits because i got out at 14 years yep. like no medical and so i think that um for the for the listener that's scared to jump the verdict scared to go for it first of all that belief that you have inside of you that you should be doing something else is is likely a gentle prodding of the holy spirit um mm -hmm. to do it God put at each one of us specifically here to do something hmm. that only we can do. And yep. so when your plane gets safe, when you're not doing the thing that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you when you're laying down in your pillow at night, I, I, I really feel bad about this. My kids are in public school. They're, ro they're rolling out all this woke stuff. I should, I should yep. probably homeschool. How am I going to homeschool them? How am I going to do that? How are we going to afford it? How are we going to do this? How are we going to, you know, um, my wife really needs the work. I need to do this. I can't, you know, and, and you just tolerate the normal kind of thing that the superstructures of our society are saying, you know, you got to have this. It's impossible to make it on just one income. It's so, you know, how can you do this? How can you, you know, and, and the reality is our entire society in America, those of us that have traveled to Afghanistan, those of us who have traveled to North Africa, those who have traveled, you know, Asia, all these places. Yeah. We live fat and happy in America. Right. And I right. tell my kids, you know, there's whole communities living in the dump in North Africa. There's mm -hmm. nobody at the dump as a, as a general contractor when I take my dump trailer in there. There's nobody there. There's piles right. and piles of, right. of, of stuff around, you know. And, and that is we are rich and we are comfortable. And, mm -hmm. and we're scared of risk. I just got back from a Christian conference. Everything was, it was on, everybody kind of knows, like, hey, we should start a small business. We should kind of make our, our home economy productive. We should be yeah. producing. We should yeah. have maybe um, take more interest in what we're eating, and maybe we can, you know, grow some stuff at home. We can do this. And, and the, all the questions in the question and answer time were about risk. Should I, and everybody's wanting the formula. You know, yeah, to right, what's the steps right. to own your own business? Should you buy right. a business? Should you start one? Should you do this? Is it better to be in this industry? It's like all of those questions at the, the very bottom of it are, um, are, are you trying to de-risk what God has called you to do that is inherently a risk? If, if every time the Israelites went into battle, God took away the odds that they felt like were in their favor. God made that choir go out front 
You know why you didn't yeah. have the choir yeah. and the and the pastors lead the march around Jericho? Are you crazy, right. God? Right. No, you, are you up? Yeah. And he and you know, hey, take your son up on the mount there, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And and Abraham having the faith to believe that God's going to bring must be bringing him back to life. Like he's what he must be. I don't know what's going on here, but to to walk it out and every single like hero of the faith was put in a position that seemed impossible. And the paraphrase of, of a GK Chesterton quotes, like one of the most, uh, the most plain glimpses of like the divine or God here on earth is to fight a losing battle and not lose hmm. because of God. And, and so hmm. where I am, I've say, say to the people, that are still in the military, or where I am, the, you know, hey, you, you live in the dream. I, I am firmly convinced because I've seen God's hand work in ways that I could not possibly have expected. When I thought there was no hope, again, I was here. Yeah. I've seen God do it a hundred times before. I'm here again. I'm, I'm whining about it. What is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage this month. You know, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, oh, the tax bills do. I didn't do a good job planning taxes this year. I, I got to write a big yeah. check. Where's that going to come from? I don't yeah. know. This client's being, you know, not going to write this check. All these, these things that, that remind me that I'm not in control and then just to trust. God's got this, you know. And so yeah. I have been, and he is, if you are living boldly for Christ and you're doing what he's called you to do, in my experience, post-military, even in the military, it, you're, it's going to somewhat kind of feel like insane at every single day because <laughs> you're pushing into faith. You're stepping out of the boat and walking on water because you, you see God is there. That's where I'm supposed to go. You know, I'm going to get out, you know, and those of us uh, look at Peter and be like, that dude didn't have the faith. He started to sink. You know, what about yeah. all the other dudes that stayed in the boat? You know, and yeah. so I yeah. would say, yeah. what is that yeah. thing that is your boat? And and when you see God over there and he's 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 beckoning you to come to him and and you believe he's a good he brought 40 years of manna on the ground one day at a time for the Israelites mm. We, it's not about storehouses, it's about daily bread, and it's about walking towards the Heavenly Father. And when you do that, you walk on water. You walk on water. Yep. And I, I literally have seen that, and I've sunk. I start to think, oh, no, I'm going to pay my mortgage. I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus <laughs> takes my hand, lifts it up. Client writes a check. Yeah. You know, easiest check I've ever gotten in the last six months. Oh, yeah, hey, oh, yeah, oh, yo, oh, yeah, here you go. Like that day when I send them the invoice, yeah. direct deposit, you know. And and but it's also the work that you have to do and so i'd say most most men most people in america aren't really willing to work as hard as they need to 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 go to where god is calling them so there's a there's a laziness yeah. and and yeah. a lack of faith and when you yeah. as a american step out of comfort and you do the work life is is the greatest it it could pop, you have no you don't even know like it's just jordan peterson I hope he comes to the faith. He said, you know, speaking the truth is the greatest adventure because you're saying mm -hmm. what you believe, you know, and in a sense, going after the work that God has called you to, starting that business, homeschooling your kids, you know, going to that church and, and giving yourself in relationship to other people, pouring yourself out and walking towards the Heavenly Father, you're going to walk on water.
It's it's yeah. it's guaranteed. He loves you. Yeah. He wants the best for you. It's going to all work together ultimately for 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 his good and that you want to be a part of that. Yeah. Man, that's good. Um we're going to have to do another podcast at some point where we actually talk about biblical masculinity. So that'll be, <laughs> we'll reschedule that one for another time. Man, there's so much good here. I, I really appreciate just your honesty and transparency and your lived experience that helps, you know, kind of put in context what a lot of people are living and how to make those faith decisions, not allowing fear or the spirit of fear to, to overrule us. Uh, you have a great podcast, a great blog. Where can people um, find both of those and learn more about you and your family and, and what you guys are up to? Yes, uh, the hub of that is kind of the website, spearing.co, S-P-E-A-R-I-N-G.co. The social handles are kind of all up at the top. We got the podcast, the podcast called Life on Target. Um, you know, essentially uh, the, the, the Greek word for sin is to miss the mark. So kind of that theme of, of, of mm. taking aim, also understanding that as an infantry guy, you know, taking aim, disciplining yourself to hit the mark, close that shot group. So um, Life on Target podcast, it's on all the major, um, you know, podcast streaming apps. And I'm just kind of, as I am struggling through something, as I'm processing it, um, I'm, I'm talking about it. Kind of the, the most yeah. pressing thing that that came up do some solo episodes and then more recently a bunch of interviews we're going to have a really talented marine uh coming out in the next couple of weeks uh that that uh, <laughs> uh we talk about some good things you, you do have some good guests on i'm not gonna lie you've got some great yeah. guests that come on so yeah well and i uh, <laughs> would love to would love to hear from a couple of your listeners uh shoot me a message and tell me how you got out of the boat and what God did, yeah. the first rep, you know, what he did for you uh, when you when you took the action and you, you got to work. Um, I'm looking forward to, to hearing from him. That's awesome. Man, I, I appreciate you and uh, very grateful for you and your testimony and glad we're connected. It, it's funny how many people we knew in common before we actually met. And so uh, it's pretty cool how God brings all that together. But uh, Nathan, thank you and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Awesome. I so appreciate that conversation, and uh, that was one, and we even talked a little bit after I stopped recording, that was a conversation that could have gone on for a lot longer. So much to unpack there, so many uh, just great insights and uh, an understanding of things at a very high level, and it's a, it's a level that all of us need to get a hold of. We need to realize that there is something on the other side of fear. We allow fear to prevent us from doing what God wants us to do. We need to rather, by faith, Hang on to God and let Him do the work that He desires to do in our lives. And uh, man, that conversation has impacted me, and I trust that it will impact you as well. Please, if you are not yet subscribed to the show, do that right now on your uh, podcast platform of choice. Go ahead and subscribe, and then share this out with other people as we continue to expand our audience. We can continue to put out content like this, and uh, I trust that this is helpful to you, and we need to get as much of this out to as many people as possible, so please check that out. When you are done doing that, go over to lifeaudio.com. I mention this just about every episode, but this podcast is hosted on Life Audio's platform, and they have so many wonderful shows there, shows that deal with just about every aspect of the Christian life. You can find something there on marriage and parenting, studying the Bible, um, shows directed toward men and Christian living in general. Check that out, lifeaudio.com. 
and uh, you'll be glad that you did. As we leave, I will remind you that when the bullets are coming your direction, when it seems like the world around you is falling apart or more dangerously (laughs) exploding, as it sometimes does, you only have two choices. You can stay where you are and die. You can do that. Kick it into neutral. Stay where you are and die. Or you can march. Thankfully, the choice is always yours. Thank you. I'll talk to you next time. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.